Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I'm really pleased to have with me Stephen Mark Cahan. Stephen is the Chief of Staff for Thycotic, a cybersecurity company. He has successfully helped to grow six startup companies from early stage development to going public or being sold, resulting in more than $3.5 billion, with a B, dollars in shareholder value. Welcome to the show, Stephen. It's great to be with you, Jeff. You have a very a, a very interesting background in that you are you have worked for more startups. I think th- I think this is the most startups I've ever interviewed somebody for, right? And I've worked in two startups, and you know this was I'm dating myself now, right? But when I worked for startups, it was in it was an incredible ride of you know pretty freewheeling, you know like putting your own uh, uh, your own accent on the products that you're able to make you you really have the opportunity to create a product that is unique and bring it to the marketplace and it seems that you know after growing six of these right you have a lot of experience in figuring out what works and what doesn't work when creating startups can you please tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today Well, like a lot of your listeners, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I originally uh, went to work out of college at a large corporation and realized that that absolutely wasn't the path for me. Just for me, I I saw that uh, being a part of a bigger bureaucracy where you're filling a very niche role, where there tends to be more politics and it's harder to see the measurable impact that you can make on the growth of the company and the bottom line that I just wanted something where I could uh, sort of feel amazingly inspired by uh, being able to see that impact and to be able to grow in line with the results that I've delivered. And so uh, I immediately moved to startup world, mostly for me, it's been within cybersecurity, really all high tech. And I've been blessed to work with lots of amazingly talented uh, startup entrepreneurs along the way. And what I've learned is that um, being successful in a startup is is not luck. You don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg or something like that in order to achieve great success. But there are some actions, attitudes, and behaviors that people have in common in order to maximize their success. And that's what I wrote about uh, in my book. So, So yeah, I'd like to get to your book in a minute. Basically, what you're talking about here is that a lot of the principles I would think that 
when you uh, when you apply them to the startup environment, they can and I believe at least should be applicable even to people that have more established businesses, right? Because you know if you're running a business that has too stodgy of a uh, of a business process or the decision making is you know is done by committee and all that, I mean that can really slow things down. It can really demoralize people, right? And they're it, and there actually are some really innovative ways that you can motivate, that you can come up with great ideas, that you can manage the, you know, the process to innovate within a company using some of those startup methodologies, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, if I was sharing a, a few of those that at least I believe are are absolutely key, is that uh, first and foremost, uh, you're right. I mean, there are things that are in common, but you know, you have to realize that there's no substitute for hard work. And so there's only one way to the top of the mountain, and that's through hard work. And so there's just no way that you can hide. There's no substitute for rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands dirty and frequently. And so no great accomplishment at a startup will be possible or sustained without hard work. I also think there are things like you've got to regularly challenge the status quo. And that's something that doesn't happen very often in uh, bigger companies. Because like we've all heard the sayings, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or, hey, that's the way we do things around here. And that's because the status quo is really strong. It, it represents a bias that can permeate the culture for keeping in the current state of affairs. And so if you want to become great at some point, you want your company to become great, you're going to have to challenge the status quo, particularly in, you know, an incredible fast change that we work in. I think, you know, a couple of things I'd share with your listeners is that you've got to be able to summon the courage to make tough decisions. And so you got to have the guts to make the unpopular decision. You've got to be able to quickly assess a situation and decide when other people might stand idle and have a little fear or most decisions that you'll find are in shades of gray, they're not black and white. So it's hard. Right. And, and, and oftentimes you don't have all of the information you need, but you've got to be someone that has the courage to know that, you know, you might be wrong, you know, even when that outcome is unclear and decide uh, anyways. And maybe one more I'll share is uh, that I found is, acknowledging the elephant in the room. So if you're with a small team of, you know, A-plus people and, and you're in a meeting where things seem to be going great, and yet a lot of times in startups, you'll find that there's like one big issue that's hanging over everybody like a cloud. And it's kind of the issue that people are talking about, but nobody wants to discuss and they'll tiptoe around it. And that's the elephant. And so it's the obvious problem that nobody brings up. And so these are uncomfortable. People want to avoid it. And yet, um, uh, and they'll do that oftentimes just because, look, it's stressful enough every day working at a startup and competing against big, better funded competitors. And so being able to take on those elephants when they occur are, are, are really important. So those are just a few of the things that I found that in a startup environment can really help you to uh, kind of move on your way to achieve a breakthrough. 
You know, what's interesting about what you talked about. I remember when, uh, you know, I was working for a medium sized corporation. I don't know. It had like 200 people in it. You know, we did like uh, call center software. Right. And I try to make a, that, I mean, let's face it. It wasn't even a radical change on how we, uh, you know, on how we attended to customers. And when I was told like, no, this is the way we do it. This is how we're going to do it. I mean, that that just pushed one foot out the door for me, right? It was just one of those things where I'm like, no, I don't want to hear that. I, I, you know, it's like, wait a second. I had a really great idea. I happened to think that I was one of the smarter people in the room and it just didn't work out. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, as, as much as I put myself on a pedestal, right? My validation for all this is that if you look at my LinkedIn profile, none of the companies, startups, big corporations that, I, that I've worked with, in uh, you know, in my in my entire career, exist in their current form today, except for the except for my own, right? So you know, I'll take that one. I'll take that one for the team, right? I guess what I'm thinking about is, um, it, you're right. It really does take courage to be able to change things, right? But it also takes you know money and effort because you need to retool your processes, right? You need to make sure that the people that you all that you bring on board and that you already have on board are you know the type the type of people that won't get too flustered if uh if you do change a core belief on them right i mean how do you manage you know like as a manager how do you uh, like how do you even look for that where it starts with is it starts with something that i actually think um the late uh jack welch former ceo of general electric really had it right and what he said was nothing matters more to winning than surrounding yourself with A plus people. And I think that that is true. And when you look at some of the bigger corporations, like you're doing budgeting, well, I'm going to hire two people in the marketing department or three people next year to do these roles. And sometimes I've always erred on the side of if that, if I have one A plus player that time, that is way better having that than two B's. And so I would rather find that A-plus player, uh, player, pay for that A-plus player, but that's where it starts, right? And so, you know, in my business, it's, it's, it's technology, but I've never viewed it that way. I've always viewed that it's, it's really a people business. And if I've got the, the, the best people on, on my team, we're going to win, right? And I've found that I found that just to pay off in spades every stop that I've had in my career. And not only that, it's also when you're finding someone who can't hang with the, with the other A plus people, and there may be some really good skills and talents that that person has. And perhaps you owe that person every chance in the world to grow those skills and to help them get to the next level. Uh, But also that if you, Keep around a C player as an example for too long. In my experience, it never uh, you you will never pat yourself on the back for having done so. That eventually you you have to come to grips with that. And these are just things, particularly in startups, with which tend to be smaller companies, and so you've got less resources. You're competing against, you know, bigger battleships with a lot more uh, resources and people. And so you've got to choose the uh, the the talent that you have around you just uh, at, at an uh, 
an amazingly uh, granular level and high level. And I found that that is a key to winning. Okay, fair enough. So basically what you're saying is you need to hire right, you need to hire fast, you need to also fire fast if it's not working out for you. Right. Absolutely. But let's, uh, 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 but let's move on to, you know, like after that, right. When you're, when you're trying to implement a change or you're trying to, you know, pivot, how, like, how do you manage that? Because that's gotta be, you know, also, you know, like a little upsetting for, you know, like for a staff that, you know, like maybe had one direction and then they realized, well, you know, something, our software is actually really good for this other niche. You know, maybe we can go down, you know, this, uh, you know, this other path as well. I'm sure you've had, you know, those types of those types of discussions before. What is your process for managing through change like that that, you know, once you've uh, once you've all agreed upon that this is the new way to pivot, right? How do you manage that process for making that change and being successful at it? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an example at my current company. Uh, my current company, uh, Thicotic, uh, we've grown in four years from six million to we'll close the books this year a little north of a hundred million. And that's the type of growth that that I've been fortunate enough to experience on several occasions. And so early on, after year one, and in cybersecurity, what we do is we do password security. So think of not necessarily just your password at a personal level, but every operating system database application has a password. Those passwords are the keys to the kingdom. If bad person gets it, they could do damage. So the three years ago, there was almost no cloud uh, software for the types of things that we do that was available from any competitor. And the reason for that was that companies didn't want to put their passwords in the cloud. But the CEO and I got together and we made a decision to make a bet. And that bet was we were going to be an early investor in the cloud. We are going to take cloud leadership and we are going to put above the fold on our website that we are, in our case, it's called PAM, Privilege Access Management, the PAM cloud leader. And we would scream it loud and proud everywhere we could go. And we would really put a focus on this because our company was all about on-premise software. This was a major change and big risk. In fact, the people in Europe said, why did you put this above the fold on your website? Because we're we're hardly selling any of this. And companies think that like we don't sell our on-premise software and that's going to hurt us. But we we had the courage of our conviction to make a big bet. And so what we did was, and what I did was, I think it's really important and where people sort of lose uh, others on change is they don't in a blindingly clear and compelling way explain the whys. So it starts with saying, hey, we're going to make this change. And we want you to really understand why this is so important. And it's not just explaining the whys at a company level. It's explaining it as it relates to translating into people's day-to-day in their role and how that change would apply to them. And then it's creating specific objectives, success measures, and managing that change And then following up with the various teams on how you're doing against those goals, uh, how you might need to change further 
in order to succeed if you're falling off course and making sure that people are staying on it. And if you stay on it, and, and it takes a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of effort, right? And so some people think that doing all that extra effort is like nice, fluffy, squishy stuff, but it's not. These are the things that are sort of foundational that you do in order to be able to manage change, particularly at a startup where it's a smaller team and those changes could be rather dramatic, like the example that I gave you. Yeah, I mean, imagine, you know, you tell everyone you're going to put you're going to put their passwords in the cloud. They're not ready to hear it. Right. And then revenues fall off a cliff and then you're like, oh, great. That idea didn't work. Or in your case, the absolute reverse happened, right? Where it's, you know, where it's growing and it's becoming, you know, like more and more accepted. I always found that uh, that apprehension about putting your information in the cloud. Like, I know a few of these people, right? And, you know, like some of them are just like, oh, no, I only use software that's installed on my server or whatever. And it's like, really? Like you log into your bank, like that your money's not in the cloud, right? You know, you log on to your Facebook or Twitter, that's not the cloud, right? You know, it's like we use this stuff all the time. The security, you know, to, uh, directly to your point is that the security is already there. It's been there for a while, right? It just, um, you know, for the specific applications for, like you said, like uh, like enterprise uh, privileged access management, you know, it's got to be handled a little bit differently, but it's not, it's not necessarily something completely new, it's just you decided to put that whole thing out there and make that your make that your rallying your rallying cry. Absolutely. And now we have over a thousand cloud customers, which is more than our top three competitors combined. And the analysts, Gartner, Forrester, there's another one that's big in our in our space, they're all saying that the whole market's going cloud. So maybe we were smart. Maybe we were lucky, probably both, but we managed that transition. And now, as I mentioned, we have over a thousand cloud customers, which is uh, and growing rapidly. And of course, all of that subscription revenue and that adds value to your company in a big way. Amazing. That's an amazing accomplishment. Stephen, can you please tell us where uh, where they can learn about your company, Thycotic? Uh, how they can learn about your book and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more. Sure. So um, you can uh, learn more about Thycotic and our cy- cybersecurity solutions at thycotic.com. We happen to have a lot of free tools there that actually offer a lot of value. An example is if if you have no idea how many privileged passwords you have in your organization, that means you can't manage or secure them. You can find that out for free. And then you can find more about my book, Be a Startup Superstar, at BeAStartupSuperstar.com. And actually, it's turned into an Amazon bestseller, which I never thought that it would, but uh, hopefully it'll offer some value to some of your listeners. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me here. I really appreciate you breaking down these concepts and wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you, Jeff.